This is OPI Talk, the voice of the business products industry. Hello and welcome to this episode of OPI Talk with me, Andy Braithwaite. And today I'm delighted to welcome Ben Jarvis, who is product manager at ECI Software Solutions based in the UK. Hi, Ben. Good to see you today. Excellent. Thanks for having me, Andy. Much appreciated. Uh, glad, glad you could uh, make it onto this episode of OPI Talk, uh, as we normally do. To just tell us a little bit uh, about yourself. Uh, yes, yes, certainly. As uh, as already introduced, uh, I'm Ben Jarvis. I'm the product manager uh, for our distribution division in the EU. Um, I've been working uh, with ECI for about eight years now. We cover few different products. We've got Horizon, Progress, an easy order that we look after uh, in my division. Um, and that's traditionally been following dealers in office products. But of course, over the uh, time period of many years, that has sort of grown and diversified. Okay, good stuff. Now, today I really wanted to talk to you ab- about two topics which I think will be interesting to our listeners. They are dealer technology in general and then product diversification for independent resellers. Just to start, I guess, with technology um, and perhaps the e-commerce angle, you know, we've all heard about the accelerating shift to e-commerce during the pandemic and the past couple of years. How, how are you seeing it from, from your side as a software provider? Are you, are you seeing that, that growth on the e-commerce side? Uh, yes, yes, certainly. I think we've seen that trend be a real conversation leader over the last uh, couple of years for ourselves internally with our dealers. And it's certainly something which has been driving sales during the pandemic as well. I will say that our dealers traditionally have had very good e-commerce integration with their software platforms. So I think unlike some segments of UK marketplace, we've not seen a big rush to install new e-commerce sites. Mm-hmm. For the most part, our, our dealers have already had those components there, and it is just big payoff, really, that they're starting from that position of already having that platform to be able to expand and work on. So really, it's that expansion that we've, we've been sort of uh, most interested in. Okay, but from your point of view, dealers were already well set up to cater to to the growth in e-commerce orders. Yes, yes, certainly. We've, we've we've had some very good uptake from many years ago to make sure that there is a e-commerce platform attached to the core ERP that the business is using. Any any new things that you've brought out to to help deal with or to help them better serve their, their customers on the, on the e-commerce side of things anyway? Uh, yes, yes, certainly. I mean, as I say, it's it's something that's been driving uh, conversations that we've been having with dealers. There's certainly a couple of things in terms of uh, what we've been working on and what directions we've been led by our dealers that we've been pursuing. So, for example, one of the things that we've added in most recently is dashboards for an end user to be able to sort of see, monitor their accounts, their spend within a website and to generally just serve a little bit more information direct to an end user about how they're interacting with another business. And that takes a lot of time out of the conversation that you'd usually have to have in person. 
And that has really been one of the larger focuses that we've had is how the e-commerce platform can almost fill in for a lot of the business staff not being where they usually are. And what else can that e-commerce platform do apart from just sort of sell directly to customers? Okay. Um, I mean, on that subject, we, we have added in other features to enable selling of um, slightly diversified products. So we've added in some options to allow customized dropdowns if products are being paired with services. So that could be custom furniture builds or embroidery, for example, for um, clothing or workwear. And we have, as probably the biggest change that we've made, uh, we've changed up our e-commerce offering slightly. Um, so any of our Horizon web packages that are sold, they come with uh, access to a design team. Because one of the biggest factors that we've been seeing along with the e-commerce growth is this need to make sure a website can change, can have its offers changed, its banners mm -hmm. changed, its design almost changed. But for that, you do need a lot of investment in a company to have a web designer. So we've taken that cost out. We're almost decentralizing that cost now. So everyone gets a share in our web design team. And we found that to be very successful, especially in helping e-commerce sales. Okay. Would you, would you say that prior to that, dealers were a, a bit slow to update their, their sites? They, they had the site set up and kind of left it? <laughs> um, I, I would probably agree with that. Andy, there's... I wouldn't say it was all on the fault of the dealer. Um, if you were to look at prices of web design from established web designers, they are exceptionally high. Mm. So there is a cost associated with doing a lot of that activity. And I think that was really what was stopping a lot of the uh, movement towards more of that active website where it's sort of changing its design. Yeah. You mentioned a minute ago some, some customer experience tools. How do you think dealers stack up when you compare them to the, the benchmark, which which is Amazon, let's say, in terms of that, that customer experience that they, they can give to the, to their customers? I mean, how, how near are they or how far are they? I, I will say definitely there is a lot of variation in between. So as, as you previously mentioned, there are some views from some companies that the website is there. And thus, it's there. It's a static thing. We've put it up and job is done. Um, and I'd probably compare website a little bit to a fish tank. Uh, it doesn't need constant love and attention, but you do need somebody in your business who's in charge of feeding it at the very least. You need that centralized person in a business whose job it is to take care of your e-commerce site. Now, what we find is if we have that person, things become a lot easier and revenue flows a lot better as an overall effect, because we are doing activities more like you would see on an Amazon homepage, which is offers are changing almost daily sometimes. Design is changing to match the seasons. You know, did you know there are only 54 shopping weeks to Christmas and stuff like that? So that that level of engagement and that level of change, we, we can match really in terms of what Amazon are doing, but having that structure within the business there and that attention focused on it is often key, if that makes sense. Okay, yeah. Now, we, we were talking beforehand, before we, we before we made the recording, and one thing, one thing that came up was that perhaps dealers aren't using all the tools and solutions that they have available, so they're perhaps missing the boat in terms of, of, of what, what they can potentially do. Can you say something about that? 
Yeah, yeah, certainly. And it is always a little bit of a of a difficulty when software houses like ourselves are running multiples, decades, years. You know, we've we have put a lot of features into the software that we are giving to customers. And some of that does take a little bit of sifting through to a degree. Um, and I recognize that that is very much something that we can help with ECI from our end. But there is a lot of features that can be utilized by customers that I, I would say at the minute are still underutilized, perhaps by some of those companies that aren't really fully focusing efforts into that sort of space. So again, it's really sort of an engagement issue, Andy. We, we've got that person or persons who are attached to the website. They've got time to look through, see what features they need to use as a business, what they're not using. If you don't have that, you're going to miss out on a lot mm. of the features that are available. So it, it really is an, an attention thing, I think. And I think the pandemic has helped focus a lot of attention on that space. It's just going to be about continuing that after um, you know, things start to return okay. to a little bit more of a normal. Right. To what, to what extent is that a generational issue, perhaps with, with dealers whose principles are of a certain age, let, let's say? Is, is that a factor? Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if I would pitch it entirely towards a age demographic. I think it's certainly a mindset and a business change sometimes. So, you know, we've been talking to businesses with sales teams and a lot of their sales teams function is to take orders over the phone. Now, not only can we move a lot of those sales to say the website and the e-commerce space, but that's a big change to the business and a big change to the structure. And often that, that takes a little bit of extra time to be looked at and considered. And in a hectic business environment, that's not always the top priority. Mm. Um, so I, I don't know if I'd pitch that directly. Uh, the age of the people involved is very much a business realignment, which is, is difficult to, to enact a lot of times, certainly. Yeah. What advice would you give to dealers then, perhaps in terms of them underutilizing some of some of their capacity or some of some of their capabilities? Yeah, certainly. What I would say, really, sort of going back to that fish tank analogy, is is to make sure that you you have that one person in the business, and it could be yourself, who is looking after that e-commerce space. The real piece of advice I can give is that the goal should be for that space to be increasing faster than the rest of your business. It really should be uh, a focus. Mm. Part of that focus should be investigating exactly what you can do in that space because it might surprise you. I mean, we've already mentioned uh, things like customer self-service, but there are a lot of definitive ways that you can take an e-com site outside of just straight sales that maybe people don't realize they can do now. Mm. And some of those things do sound very futuristic. <laughs> just give us a couple of examples, maybe. Uh, yeah, certainly. And it is it is sort of from the self-service angle, having customers pay their invoices online, um, customers being able to print out their own reports about how they're spending with your company, as opposed to them approaching you, using up some of your own team's resources, time, well, we need to look at this, we need to use X. 
I need to pay for this. You're directing them to being serviced on the e-commerce site. You're saving yourself time. And for a lot of times, these are features that are already there on the site. They're just maybe the customer's not aware of them. Maybe you've not turned them on. Um, but a lot of that customer self-service is sort of becoming expected. Uh, for example, the online chats that you see in a lot of sales sites now, they're very easy to add to an e-commerce site. You've got a, for the most part, you've got a sales team and their area of, of interest should align to what's being sold in your business. So it's, it's, it's things like that that do seem sometimes sort of new and sort of futuristic, which are available today that I would say definitely to be investigated. The e-commerce site is now more about just selling, especially from the last two years. It's about saving your company time mm. as well. Yeah, certainly that's a big, big theme, improving productivity, reducing those costs to focus on on other areas of the business, especially in this inflationary environment we're in as well. That's even putting more pressure on margins. Uh, yes, yep, mm. certainly. And and for uh, for a lot of what we're we're talking about um, in terms of we are really talking about saving uh, time because the employee, the members of your team, there are certainly other things they could be doing that isn't a mundane task that could be helping your business. Yeah. Mm. Okay. J just staying for a minute on on the topic of e-commerce now. One potentially controversial <laughs> subject is whether dealers themselves should be selling on Amazon on the marketplace as a, as a third party seller. What, what's your, your take on that, you know, the pros and cons of doing that? Uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, it's something that's been around in various guises for a little while. We've been talking about Amazon and what sort of threat or opportunity it might they might represent for a number of years now. And I, I suppose the, the best answer is there really is a balance between those pros and cons because the, the pros can be very large. You can get a huge volume in terms of sales, um, you know, through something like Amazon. The cons, however, are you can also be missing out on some of those larger opportunities because you need to invest a lot of time, a lot of price and cost watching to make sure that you are in that prominent place in Amazon. Whereas from your own e-commerce site, of course, you are the player on that particular website. You've got the customer to where you need them to get. They're not presented with other options from other websites. So I, I, I would say it really is a, a sort of an up and a down when it comes to dealing with uh, uh, something like Amazon. Um, pros, the opportunities are definitely there. They need to be really carefully managed. And of course, that sucks up time. And you are sometimes diverting um, attention away from your own mm. web space where you have your own customers and you can offer them a little bit more of a personalized service for mm. example okay yeah we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on that one because marketplaces i think is going to be an interesting channel uh, as we go forward not just amazon but uh, others as well both b2b and b2c yep certainly and uh, you know we, we we did discuss they've they've got the new sort of punch in mm. option it'd be interesting to see what yeah what sort of happens with that yeah sure okay good now let's uh talk a little bit about some of the the product trends that you've been you've been seeing i know you have a lot of lot of data at your your fingertips 
I think a couple of a couple of the categories that I know that you're you're looking at closely are workwear and PPE. Any, anything can say how how those categories have developed in the dealer channel over the last couple of years or so. Yes, yes, yeah, certainly. Um, there's, there's, there has been some really interesting data um, that started uh, cropping up. I mean, from the likes of Gartner, from IBIS reports, we're, we're seeing a very big spike in PPE sales, which I don't think would come as a big surprise um, to, to many people listening. In sort of the general category of safety equipment, that, that category had over a billion pounds of spend revenue added to that in 2021 and at first glance i would expect looking at that data to have that spike driven just by ppe sales which exists Mm. under that safety equipment category looking closer into that data however yeah ppe is a very large driver of the change of of what we've seen in terms of uh, growth in that particular uh, segment but looking at the data of that billion pounds, about a third of it has come from PPE. And the other two thirds has been driven by the likes of uh, workwear, by other safety equipment, such as safety signage, and sort of specialized factory equipment like harnesses and stuff like that, mm. which I found to be quite surprising. I would have thought we'd have seen a spike in PPE because that's where the demand is. So we became very interested in what this spike, particularly workwear and safety signage, means, because we've got a number of dealers um, in that sort of area already, and they've communicated to us that actually the growth they've seen is is quite large and sustainable. So really, we're sort of accounting that growth in those other areas, particularly workwear, as being down to expansions in terms of logistics, a big boost in terms of just, you know, the e-commerce conversation sort of goes hand in hand that all of those products need to be delivered. Mm. So as we've seen a boost in that, we've seen a boost in logistics, the amount of people hired in warehouses, uh, lorry drivers, etc. That's all given an increase into the amount of supplied equipment that employers need to yeah, give to true. those employees. The same goes for the boost in retail as well. And all of these things are having an effect on workwear as an adjacent sector. Okay, it's uh, an indication that dealers successfully managed to to transition to other product categories while offices were closed and perhaps the traditional products weren't selling as well. Uh, yes, a hundred percent. I mean, a lot of our dealers are true entrepreneurs. So as soon as um, you know a, a gap's been identified, and you know we saw so many dealers go into PPE and get recognised as uh, key businesses during the pandemic, a lot of those suppliers of PPE are also suppliers of workwear and other adjacent products that maybe haven't been fully explored yet by our dealers. And they were very easily added along with those other suppliers. Okay. What, what are the numbers looking like now as we hopefully you know, come out of of lockdowns at least? I'm not saying we're going to not have hybrid working and possible you know, for further further restrictions depending on, on, on new variants. But as things stand, there is a kind of a sense of some return to normality and people coming back to the office. I, I would like to think that we are headed in that direction. Certainly, if if you'd have asked me before Christmas, and we, and we had the extra work yeah. from home advice, um, I, I certainly would have been a bit more 
uh, optimistic on that note. However, I think the way that things have gone over Christmas has sort of proved that we're hopefully moving towards that less severe end of the uh, of, of the disease and we might be able to more comfortably work in office spaces going forwards yeah what impact are you seeing or do you think you will see on, on the on the categories some some rebalancing I, I i think so i think we will see we will definitely see a bounce back in terms of that traditional core of office products saying that as as i've mentioned a lot of our customers have diversified away and they've they found other revenue streams that they are now fully exploring so i i would say the timing of it maybe isn't as essential to a lot of dealers as it could have been mm. if we were talking say in 2019 for example late 2019 for example yeah okay but all likelihood a permanent product mix shift in, in what dealers are selling I, I i would definitely say so there's the elements of diversification of have been there for a number of years within that sort of core office products mm. market. Um, I think we've seen a real acceleration towards even more divergent products in that time. Yeah. I, I would definitely say we're, we're looking at a permanent effect on just what would have been core office products dealers are, are now selling. And a lot of our dealers probably would not identify themselves any longer as office products. Yeah more business supplies moving out to whatever a, a, a business would need. Yeah, yeah. What about categories that are linked to work from home, you know, headsets, some of those technology products, chairs, you know, kitting out the, the, the home office, any, any, any data there that you've got that shows that dealers are either being successful or haven't, haven't really managed to catch that, that business when it was there? It's, it's interesting, actually. Some of the data I've looked at shows a really big spike in equipment leasing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that would be uh, laptops and other home, working from home equipment. And that's probably for two things. I mean, the first thing will be the relative scarcity of some of those products mm-hmm. early on in the pandemic and sort of subsequent years. The other thing that it would point to is that lots of businesses are seeing work from home as maybe a temporary cost that they can, you know, absorb by leasing out laptops to employees mm. and then bringing them back to work into the office. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out if leases drop off as they turn into complete purchases of laptops and we see that work from home model continue, or if it drops off and we have more people return back yeah. into the office space. Okay. What are these new categories meant for you on the on the kind of on the back end, if you like, in terms of data and all those kinds of things? Yeah, certainly. I mean, we've been working you know, very closely with our dealers um, to make sure that we're adding in the right features into our back end systems, and we, we've had to do a few more than a few changes uh, around workwear, in particular. That is because we're adding in a level of complexity to that sale. And the same thing sort of goes for uh, custom furniture as well. Uh, we're not just shifting a box in a distribution sense. For work where we're adding something to it. So we're adding a logo, we're adding employee name to a garment. So we've had to develop our systems to make sure there is an extra space available for things that are being worked on. Customers get extra options when they're on an e-commerce site, for example. 
so we've, we've been working very closely with dealers all through last year to make sure that we're able to handle that new sort of diversification of need. We continue that into this year as well, just to make sure that we've got that absolutely right. Okay, good. So what's going to be keeping your you and your team awake for the rest of the year? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't doubt there's always a list of things which are <laughs> keeping uh, at least me awake uh, anyway. One one thing I'm I'm particularly keen to see, as we've mentioned before, is if we are looking at a working from home future, an office place future, or if we're looking at a hybrid approach. I think our dealers are very well placed to deal with any of those scenarios, but things look so unsure at the mm. minute. As I said, if you'd asked me before November, December time last year, I probably would have been a lot more positive with my answer as to say how that would be going in the future. Yeah. So that 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 to me is one of the bigger uncertainties that we've we've not really got an answer to just yet. I think it will be coming. Yeah. Though, as I say, I'm, I'm sure we're moving towards a slightly different future post-pandemic. Sure. Yeah. And in light of that, how confident are you that your independent reseller customers will will show their entrepreneurial spirit as they have done and, and remain relevant to to their customers in in face of what we what we see a you know a changing needs. Certainly. And if if we hadn't seen such a move already into diversifying product offerings or service offerings, um, I'd probably be more concerned about that future. But I think what our dealers have already proved over the last couple of years is that they can adapt very quickly to a, a very volatile and changing market. And some of the, I should say, non-successes in some other areas of UK business have been more due to being placed in one potential revenue stream and not moving out of it. Mm. So I'm very confident that our dealers are more than willing to adapt and more than have those capabilities as well. Okay. All right. Good stuff. Okay. We'll leave it there. Ben, it's been great talking to you today. Thank you for that. And uh, all the best for the for the rest of the year. Thanks for that, Andy. Much appreciated. If you have got this far, then thank you for listening to this episode of OPI Talk. Please check out our website, opi.net, for news, interviews, analysis, and much more from the business products world. We've also got a great app that you can download from the App Store or Google Play. Just search for OPI Magazine. And we hope you will join us again soon for another episode of OPI Talk. <laughs>